You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beauty Translated Season 3 is coming soon with what? A second host? I'm Carmen Laurent, and this season I am joined full-time by world-renowned Janie Danger. Janie, what are we talking about in season three? We're talking about life, Carmen. Beauty Translated is about the many fragmented lives spreading across this rich tapestry of the trans experience. And the all-new Beauty Translated love line at... 678-561-2785. Listen to Beauty Translated Season 3 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like jazz bassist Christian McBride. Jazz is based on improvisation, but there's very much a form to it. You have a conversation based on that melody and those chord changes. So it's kind of like giving someone a topic and say, okay, talk about this. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. She is hating something that's, that's bringing you fulfillment and joy with your family. And I, I need to point out on this podcast that that is not love. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for listening and watching wherever you came from. I love this profile, this platform that we get to do with you guys, talking things down in long form, answering your questions. I answer your questions. You send them to me at grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. And wherever you came from, I'm grateful to be here. Let's let's get into the first question here. Um, It says... Subject line, my girlfriend hates when I go camping. Interesting question. It says, hey, Granger, my name is Cam. I'm from a small town in Ontario. Me and my girlfriend love your music, and I always look forward to listening to your podcast every Monday during work. Thank you. So me and my girlfriend have known each other for two years, and we have dated for one of them. Everything is good practically all the time. A few times a year, me and my dad and brothers go camping to ride dirt bikes and quads for half a week. And my girlfriend really doesn't like when I go. She told me that she hates it when I go on these trips. I've been going on these trips since before I even knew her. I know that she gets lonely at home. Her friends are normally busy. So she gets really sad when I leave. I don't have to go with my family, but I really enjoy it. And family is important too. So I just want to know what you think I should do. I always try to make her feel better about me leaving and that I'll be back soon, but that doesn't help. Thanks for what you do, Yee Yee. So Cam, uh, thanks for the email. A very, very interesting question. And 
um, did you say how old you are? No, you don't say how old you are. Um, I'm assuming that you're a little bit younger as opposed to a little bit older if you're going camping with your parents. Um, I, I don't like this. I don't like this. Uh, I don't like this relationship. Uh, you know, guys, we need to find a girl that my, my old drummer used to tell me, you need to find a girl with hobbies, someone that has hobbies, because this, this starts to become a problem when she gets lonely because you're leaving for half a week. Like, that's it. You're leaving for half a week and she hates it and she can't stand it and she's lonely at home. This means that you are providing for her everything that she needs emotionally, physically. You're, you're providing everything. And when you go away, she is missing a lot of her life. And so she hurts and she misses you. And it's not a really good beginning of a relationship. Now, this is nothing against her personally. It's nothing against your relationship because she's probably great. You guys probably love each other. You, it seems like you're doing really good other than this camping thing. But it brings up a really big red flag. And it's going to come down to communication, you talking with her. Ask her questions like, can I ask you what it is that bothers you about me going camping? Now, underneath all those layers, I think you're going to find out that it's just the loneliness of her missing you. And that becomes a problem. Like, what if you get another hobby? What if what happens when you have kids and she starts accusing you of loving the kids more than her? That happens. Where Where is this going? Um, she is probably really young. So it, I'm, I'm not going to say just break up with her because this is something that she's she can grow into. A 20-year-old girl is a lot different than the 30-year-old girl. It's, it's like two completely different women between 20 and 30. And you could argue that 40 is much different than 20. So she's going to grow into this. This is something that she's going to struggle with at a young age, but I think she's going to get better. But it's going to require communication from you, sitting her down. And the other thing I got to say is she is hating something that's, that's bringing you fulfillment and joy with your family. And I, I need to point out on this podcast that that is not love. That's not any kind of definition of love for someone that claims they love you, but hates when you're happy without them. Do you see, you see how crazy that is when you put it that way? She should love you and love to see you happy and joyful and love to see with you with your family. You're not taking advantage of her. It's not like you're going, you're saying, hey, I'm going to go for six months out of the year. I'm going to leave you. You're just taking, a, you're carving a little time and you're going with your family. So I want to point out that this is um, this is something I'm not going to say break up, but if you're my friend and that's the way this podcast rolls, it's like you're sitting in the cab of my truck where we're on a road trip and you're like, hey, can I run something by you? So with that perspective, you're you're a friend of mine. I'm gonna say right now, this is not the Marion type. Like you're not you're not shopping for a ring right now. This is something that needs to work out before you start thinking about long term. She becomes your wife. Okay, don't marry this girl in the current situation. You got to talk to her about it. And if she can't relent to that, if she's just like no forever, this is how it's gonna be. Then it's like. I, Maybe we need a little time. Maybe maybe we need some time apart so you could feel more comfortable alone. It's a tough situation. It's a good email, brother. Thank you for thank you for listening. Um, next question says, 
Subject line, learning to play guitar. Hey, Granger, my name is Matt. I'm 16 years old. Love watching the Smiths and listening to your songs. I recently got an old guitar. I put some nylon strings on it. I've been using um, a free seven-day trial on Simply Guitar to learn how to play, and I like it, but it costs money. My question is, how did you learn how to play guitar, and did you teach yourself? If so, how did you do it? Yeah, Matt, thanks for the email, buddy. 16 years old. I learned at 14, so we're right about the same age when I when I fell in love with the guitar. Um, I did not pay money for anything to learn. Um, I learned from a book. There was a book inside the guitar that I had that my grandmother gave me. And it said where to put your fingers to make the chords. And I learned through that. I learned all the chords. And then today's, today's world, you could learn on YouTube. So I, I don't think simply guitar, I don't know what that is. I don't know how much it is. But I would steer away from something you got to pay money because YouTube is such a great resource. You just need to learn like five or six chords right now. Maybe even three. You could learn three chords and have a capo and learn a ton of songs. Learn one more and have four. You could play every pop song, in, pop song in the world. So don't pay money right now. Next question, subject line says, mental health and God. Hey, Granger, love the podcast, love your music. I'll cut straight to the point. I've been following since your transition into sharing your faith, even watched your testimony you gave online here in Bakersfield, California. I'm struggling mentally. I'm on the verge of collapsing. I have three kids and a wife. What verse in the Bible do you recommend looking up so that I could get a little more clarity on this thing called life? I need some guidance. I need to know where to turn. I just don't know where to start. Thanks for all you do. Daniel from Bakersfield. Okay, Daniel, thanks for listening and, and writing. So let me dissect what you said here. Um, you're in a tough spot. You are, you are stressed out. You're struggling mentally. You're asking for a verse in the Bible uh, that, that I could recommend to give you more clarity on this thing called life. What's, what's really interesting about this, this is, this is so interesting about your question, because when I gave my sermon, it wasn't a testimony. It was a sermon that I gave in Bakersfield at a place called Story Church. And do you know what the title of that sermon was? Coffee Mug Verses. That's what I wrote originally, Coffee Mug Verses. And then what I talked about is we, we need to stop taking single verses out of context that we read on a coffee mug or on a t-shirt, on, on a wooden sign that we've hang, we hang in our house or on a bumper sticker. We need to stop taking those little snippets from the Bible and trying to live by that are trying to use that one verse for clarity in this thing called life. We've got to stop doing that because you have to read the verses before it and you have to read the verses after it and you have to realize who wrote it and who they were writing it to and in what context and in what time period and in what culture. There's so much more that goes into it than just taking a Bible verse. Like I could take you to a couple of Bible verses that will just terrify you about the wrath of God. And I go, look, here's God. Here's the wrath, the anger of God. And you're going to be like, whoa, I don't, I don't want any part of that. Well, it's like, well, no, you, dude, you got to read. You got to read before it and after that to understand that verse. And so I'm not going to be the guy to tell you, ironically, a coffee mug verse, which is what I preached in Bakersfield. What I will tell you is this. You want to figure out your way. You want to find your way. Well, Jesus said, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. So you want to figure out the truthful way of living life? Well, I will tell you who the truth, the way, and the life is. And that's what Jesus said. Now, you can't take that verse and live by it because it really doesn't make any sense unless you know who he is and why he said it and what prompted him to answer that question. When they say, well, how do we find the way? And he says, I'm the way. Why did they ask him that? And what did he say right after? It's like taking a movie, taking your favorite movie, and I'm going to go, here's, here's a clip from the movie right here. Boom. Don't you love this movie? Don't you love it? And you're like, well, I love the clip, but I don't, I don't know the story. I'm like, exactly. I can't show you a clip of the movie and go, is this, your, is this your favorite movie? Do you believe this movie is your favorite movie ever from this clip? No, you got to see the whole movie. You got to see the beginning and the end. You got to see the characters, the development, the plot twist, the antagonist, the hero, see the struggle they go through, see how they find their way out of it. There's the clip in the middle, right? The same thing with the Bible. But, but I, would, I would direct you first to go to the New Testament. That's what I did. Start with the New Testament. Go to the book of Matthew, the book of John. A lot of people say, start with the book of John. You start right there at the beginning, John 1.1, 1, 1, and say, you know what? I'm looking for a way in your words to, what did you say? To get a little more clarity on this thing called life. And so I'm going to dedicate, because here, here's the Bible, and it's the, it's the most read, the most, the most printed, the most purchased book on the planet. There must be something to it. Even if I'm an atheist, I'm like, well, I'm going I'm to at least check this out because it's so popular. I'm going to at least see what it says. And so I'm going to dedicate every morning, say I'm a slow reader, I'm going to go through just a couple paragraphs. I'm not going to look at this huge Bible and go, how how am I ever going to read that? I'm going to start with the book of John. I'm going to go, I'm going to do one page every morning. And the next morning, I'm going to read the next page. What you're going to see is that you're going to get to the end of a page and you're going to think, well, I got to find out what happens on the next page. This is crazy. He's talking crazy. These people are acting crazy. Got to find out what happens. So you turn the page and then you could just consume more. And you're like, wow, this story is wild. <laughs> and then you reach a point and you're like, I don't understand it. It's, it's funny. You'll hit a point where you, you'll go, I don't understand what Jesus just meant. Right up. Guess what the next paragraph? It says, the disciples did not know what Jesus was talking about. So they asked him. And he looked at him and said, let me explain to you. You didn't understand what I just said. Let me explain it in a different way. It's like we become the disciples in these stories. And we're like, I don't get it. Oh, good. They didn't either. Good. Now he's going to explain it again. If you still, if you still are, are losing the perspective of that, the context of it, YouTube is a great, a great place to go and, and just go. Book of John chapter 5. explain, you know, whatever, type something in. And then there's a thousand YouTube videos that come up and it's like, okay, here's, here's a bunch of videos. Now I'm not going to say look to the videos for truth, but you could look to the videos for consistency. So it's like, you see, you see a few videos and it's like, well, that guy said something that, that disagrees with the other three guys. Then you start going with the, the consensus here and go, okay, I understand. I understand why he said it, who he was talking to. 
I'm giving you a long answer to a very simple question you asked. But the, the, the simple answer is, no, I'm not going to give you one verse. Because there's too many and you got to read them in context. Okay? Email me back, by the way. Email me back and let me know how this, how this journey's going. Next question. I think we're getting, I think we're going to be on the same subject here, but the subject line says, where is he? Hey, Granger, my name is Laura. I'm 34 from Niagara Falls, Canada, but I live and work in LA. That's a long commute. Frequent listener and supporter of your work. I was raised Catholic, but truly found Jesus during the pandemic. And it's really given me a new lease on life. I really like and believe in myself, but as a single woman inching closer to 35 with no real prospects, I worry that I'll never find the one. And the deepest desire of my heart is to do life with a genuine salt-of-the-earth man. My friends pressure me into going to apps and to date for the sake of it, but it feels so artificial to me. I feel like God is telling me to wait on him, that he has a purpose for me, but sometimes it's just so hard to be patient and trust Anyway, any of your profound insights are greatly appreciated. Best, Laura. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for the email. Um, Let me say something real quick, because I talked about dating apps on a recent episode and posted a clip on TikTok. And I said, don't use dating apps. Don't use dating apps. You're just presenting yourself as like a used car salesman, selling yourself and the best qualities of yourself. And the person you're looking at is doing the same thing. And so you're never going to meet, you're never going to see the true person until a, a lot of time goes by that you have to invest. When an easier path is talking to some of your friends and saying, hey, introduce me to someone that you know. And so you get this network that goes out from your friends that know the parents, that know the, the where they grew up and know where they work and know their boss. And you get a really good reference of starting point. So I posted that on TikTok, basically. And I got all this rejection. Everyone's disagreeing with me. Like, oh, this guy's lost it. He's so out of touch, which people say a lot on TikTok. And I started thinking about that. I was like, okay, the the number one thing that they said against my comment was, I don't have any friends. How am I supposed to meet somebody through friends if I don't have any friends? So I got to go to a dating app. So I started really thinking about that. I thought about it for a long time. I was like, okay, what, what's the deal? What's the deal? One thing must be leading to the other because it wasn't always like this. Like the problem of not having friends, it wasn't always around. It wasn't always this way. It's really bad right now in today's culture. And so it's like people say they don't have friends, then they go to a dating app or social media. It's like, what if it's the other way around? That's what I was thinking. What if it's the other way around? What if... People don't have friends today in today's culture like they used to because of dating apps and social media. Like, what if that's the fail safe? Like, what if that is the safety net that people go to? They're like, well, I don't have any friends. So I'm going to go to social media. And what does that do? It prevents them from going out and finding friends. Like, I don't have friends. So I'm just going to sit here and look at my phone. There's surely there's friends there. And in the old days, You didn't have that safety net. So you said, I don't have friends. I better go make some. I know this is off the subject, but I'm just thinking about this a lot. Like, I think there's a a huge correlation between having friends 
and having social media today, or lack of friends and having too much social media today. Right? Let's think about that for a second. Everyone on TikTok says, I don't have any friends. But they're all on TikTok talking to each other when they could be using that time to talk to a real person. And it's like, well, I don't know how to find a real person. You follow, follow your interest, follow your hobbies, follow your faith, follow your school, your work. There's a million ways to go find people that like the same things that you do. That's a great place to start with friends. I was in Detroit last week playing a show. And we were playing a show in Lansing the next day. So we were in Detroit the night before for a day off. My tour manager, Chris, and I, it was a Sunday night. And I looked up. I was like, I wonder if there's any good churches around here in Detroit. So I pulled up a map of the city of Detroit. And I typed in church. And there was one of them that was a Bible church that had a 7 p.m. service. And I was like, hey, you want to go to the 7 p.m. service? He was like, yeah. So we go there. We took an Uber. We go to this church, little bitty church. Actually went to the wrong location first, and it was a a dance rave. (laughs) And the lady was like, cover charge. And I said, cover charge for what? She said, what do you mean cover charge for what? This is where we dance. And I was like, I'm at the wrong place. Went around the corner. There's the church. As soon as I went around the corner, there was three people standing outside, and they said, welcome, friends. Welcome home. What's your name? Come on in. And I thought about this podcast. Right off the bat, I thought about this podcast. I was like, here's perfect strangers that have a lot in common with me, with church. And the first thing they said when they met me was, welcome, friends. What's your name? No, if I lived there, if I lived in Detroit, I'd be thinking, I just got three new friends. And it's like, hey, I'm Granger, and I'm new here, or I don't have very many friends. And I guarantee you within 30 seconds, it's like, you want to do coffee on Wednesday? Where do you live? I live down here. Oh, I live down here. Let's meet in the middle. Let's go to coffee. Sure. Easy. That's easy. I don't want to make, I don't want to oversimplify this because I know that making friends is, is not easy. But I'm trying to show y'all a way that this, the, a way that this can make sense. So, so that you're not at home thinking, oh, I don't have any friends, might as well pull up, pull up Instagram or TikTok. At least people talk to me there. And it's not healthy. Where in the world did I get off, get off on, this, <laughs> on this question? I got so far. Um, what I would answer to you, Laura, on this question is, you are, you are, and I've said this recently, I think it was the last episode. I'm going to repeat back to you what you said, that you, you've truly found Jesus and it's given you a new lease on life. And then you go down and you say, I feel like God is telling me to wait on him. He, he has a purpose for me. These are your words. I feel like God is telling me to wait on him. He has a purpose for me. Yet right in the middle of your email, is all this stuff about how it's hard to be patient. It's hard to trust. I don't know if I'll ever find anybody. I'm inching closer to 35. It's all a trust issue. If you truly trust, 
if you've truly found Jesus like your words say, if you truly believe he has a purpose for you, if you truly believe he's telling you to wait on him, why are you not waiting? Wait on him. Wait on the Lord. He told you that, not me. It's interesting, right? Wait patiently. Live your life for him. Follow the path you need to be on. And things will work out. We'll take a break. Be right back. One of the best ways to get a hold of me anytime is Cameo.com, or you could download the Cameo app. So what happens is you pull up the app, you search for me, Granger Smith, and then I can give you a video message saying whatever you want me to say. It could be a birthday shout out to somebody, maybe a little bit of encouragement, happy anniversary, happy graduation, whatever it might be. You tell me what you want me to say, and I record it for you right on my phone, custom for you. Cameo is really cool. So go to Cameo.com. Search for Granger Smith or download the Cameo app and search for me, Granger Smith. All right, pulling up the next question here. The subject line says Christian dating boundaries. Hey, Granger, I'd like to stay anonymous, but I'm in a serious relationship with my boyfriend. We're both 20, dating almost a year. He's a new believer and came to faith shortly before we started dating. I've grown up in a Christian home, but boundaries were never something that was taught other than the obvious one of waiting until marriage for sex. I hear so many different Christian opinions on everything else that falls before sex. So people don't even, some people don't even kiss and others do what I think is more biblically correct. But what is considered right and what is considered too far? Are we in the wrong for kissing and cuddling, some say? We have fallen into other sexual sin, not to, not to the full extent of sleeping together, but we have asked for forgiveness and we both agree it was a mistake and won't happen again. After coming to that con- conclusion, my boyfriend has been really struggling. Of course he is. I don't have a strong answer to give him right now to encourage him uh, through struggling with sexual desires, and I'm struggling with them too. I love him. We're both on the same page about living a God-centered relationship, but uh, don't know how to work around the sexual desires in a relationship that I think everyone has when you love the other person and are attracted. It's hard. I'm going to continue to pray for guidance and wisdom throughout this, but would love to hear your opinion. Hope to hear from you soon. Okay, so this is a anonymous, and it's a good question dating almost a year, you're 20. So you're pretty young, but I would say my first question, if we were in the cab of the truck, just having this conversation, my first question would be, you love him? You're crazy about him? You have similar goals and dreams and aspirations? Where is marriage in this talk? Because the long engagement, the dating for a year or two or three or four or five, that's a new thing to humanity, right? So, so when the Bible was written, it was a different culture. It was a different society. People were getting in, putting in, in arranged marriages. Engagements were short. You fall in love and you go get married. Have you seen the movie Braveheart? It's like they just go get married in the woods with a priest or in a church or something. But you, you, you move quickly. But today's culture is like, no, ride the brakes. Take your time. You're young. You got to figure out stuff in your life. Meanwhile, you're burning up with sexual desire. Basically, simply what I'm saying is, 
Of course you have. Of course you're burning up with this desire. You're holding off for so long and you're like, one day we're going to get married. It's going to be great. How many more years are we going to have to deal with this? And that will drive a person insane. So that's my first question. Like, where's marriage in this talk? Like, is he, is he ring shopping? Is this going to happen soon? And if not, why not? And if not, if, if not, then are you going to still date him? Do you guys have a plan for 25 and then you're going to sit there for five years and deal with this burning desire for five years when you're 25? Like, is that the goal? I'm just trying to make you see long-term here because sometimes when we're, we're stuck in a relationship, we don't see really out that far outside. But I'm trying to just open this because yeah, you're right. Bible says no sex before marriage. And so when you're talking about these desires, how far is too far and all these Christians are leading you in all these different directions, what's really easy it says you lust for another woman in your heart. You've committed adultery in your heart. That's including dating. Isn't that crazy? That's why you get married. So if I was going to tell you, don't fall off a cliff, don't fall off a cliff, would you tell me, okay, but how close can I get to the cliff before I fall off? I'd be like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? And you're like, yeah, we just want to see how close we can get to the cliff without falling off. Like, we're just going to get really close to the cliff. We're going to hang on to these branches and roots and just see if we could hang on. We're definitely not going to fall off. We agree that we shouldn't fall off. But we're just, we really want to just live on the edge. And we might live here for a really long time. I'd be like, why, why would you do that? So that, takes back, that goes back to like your kissing question. If the, if the kissing is going to lead to something else, if it's a domino that's going to lead to something else, because you know, you're on the couch and the lights are down low and it's like one kiss leads to a longer kiss, which is a longer kiss and it leads to this and that, which you know that's already happened. It's like, when are you going to stop that? When, when are you going to stop the domino? And can you? Do you, have, do you have the ability to? Or is one night, you're just going to kind of lose it a little bit and you're, you're going to lose your self-control a little bit more than you ever have one time, and then you're off the cliff. I didn't really give you a solid answer, but I gave you a lot to think about. Next question. Subject line says, failing to find love. Hey, Granger, my name is Josh, and I'm from Tennessee. Been trying for three to four years to find a girlfriend. I have a few dating apps and I get a few matches, but it never leads to anything. I try to message girls on Instagram and try to start a conversation, but I get left on red. I'm not the best looking guy, but certainly not the worst. However, I'm only five foot four. I worry that that's the main reason I can't find anyone because of my height. I just feel like I have a monkey on my back and I can't ever get it off. Do you have any suggestions, tips on finding a girlfriend? I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Okay, Josh, thanks for the email, buddy. This is like right on, you're, you're right on path on this episode. So I'm glad you said this. For the first two thirds of your email, you've been trying for three, four years, trying to find, going through dating apps, being left on red on Instagram. You're not the best looking guy, but you're not the worst. Like right up until that point, it's like, okay, you just described everyone. Like you could have been talking about me. You could have been talking about anybody until you said, However, I'm only five foot four. That's the main reason why I can't find anyone. 
So what you did there was you described your identity and anyone else would put their their little self-proclaimed identity there. So it's like, I would put my, what I think is wrong with me there in that sentence. And someone else would put their, they're struggling with their body image right there. And someone else would struggle that they're too shy and they put it right there. And someone else says that they, they're, they're too much of a, a loud mouth and no one listens to them because they're just always joking. They put it right there. And then someone else says they're too tall and they're way taller than every girl and they can't, so they put it right there. But that's that place, that two thirds of the way through your email, that spot is where you're claiming your identity is who, what you are in the mirror. You're saying, you're looking at the mirror and you're saying, this is who I am, five foot four. No girl likes a guy that's five foot four. And that's me. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror and that's my identity. I am five foot four. And I would say, no, dude, no, you're not. That's not your identity. That might be an attribute of your, of your chemical composition, whatever. But it's not your identity. Like that's not who you are. It's not where you're from. That's not how you were raised. That's not what your your dreams and ambitions and goals are. That's just a chemical attribute. It's just you're just a bunch of cells put together and, you, and together they create five foot four. That's not your identity, dude. And so don't claim that as your identity. And if you're my friend and we're in the truck right now, I'd be slapping you across the back of the head saying, stop that, man. Stop it. Stop saying that's the reason. Get that monkey off your back, bro. You even said it yourself. You feel like you got a monkey on your back. I would hug your neck and I'd say, dude, tons of girls would be lucky to have you, a guy like you. You've been trying it for three or four years and you're a good dude, man. You got so many great things going for you. And you're like, but I'm five foot four. I'm like, you telling me no girl is shorter than five foot four on this planet? There's three and a half billion girls. How many of those girls are under five foot four? Okay, scratch that. How many girls are over five foot four and like a guy that's five foot four? Don't tell me that's your identity. Don't claim that as your identity. You're so much more than that. You're so much more than what you are and who you look like in the mirror. Stop that, man. So you need to have a hard look. You need to have a hard look at yourself and who you are and who who you are at the core of yourself your identity because guess what man everything that you are right now in the mirror is just getting older anyway it's all going to wither away and fall away except your identity your identity stays that's who you are that's your soul man that's your heart and all of us are getting old and wrinkly and we're going to get less agile and we're going to fall apart and we're going to end up dirt, right? But not our soul, man. That's what you have to offer. That's what you have to give. That's what you have to, to, to put out to this girl that you're going to find in the future and you will find her. So then should, should I say it? Should I, should I address the beginning of the email, the dating apps? You found a few matches, nothing leads to anything. Talk to girls on Instagram, they leave you on red. Do I need to bring that up, man? Because you're better than that, bro. You're better than that. Go to that church, like I said, in Detroit, wherever you are, 
go there. Be like, I'm Josh. And I came to be around like-minded people. Came to find some friends. Watch them. They're going to be like, Josh, welcome, man. Where do you live? Let's do coffee on Wednesday. And you're like, cool, I'll do it. And so you go. And there's three or four people. And they're like, hey, you know, on Fridays, we meet on the first Friday of every month and we, we do well, like a movie night. Josh, you want to come? And you're like, yeah, I'll go. Show up on Friday. Guess who's there? Beautiful girl, about five foot two, sitting in the corner. She says, hey. And you say, hey, I'm Josh. All the while, you could be, in contrast, sitting at home on dating apps, being left on red on Instagram, looking at yourself in the mirror going, I'm five foot four, man. No one wants me. You're missing out, man. First Friday of every month, there she is. Hypothetical situation, but I promise you, I'm not too far off, buddy. I'm not too far off. So I don't care what you look like. That is not your identity. Let's hit another one. Subject line says, help. This should, this should be fun. Says, hey, I'm writing in for someone for, excuse me, I'm writing in for some help. I've been married to my husband for 10 years, together 14. We get along for the most part. We hunt, we fish, we camp. Together we get along. But since COVID, things have been a little bit harder. My husband was so sick, I thought he was going to be, I was going to be planning a funeral. We just fight. Nothing physical but words. But I don't know what to do. He's my best friend in the world. He's currently dealing with a lot of long haul COVID issues. Thank you. This comes from Melissa in Southern Utah. Melissa, I'm going to give you an answer to this, like I've said several times on this podcast, and and I think it's going to work for you because I don't think it ever fails. This answer never fails. So I'll say it a million more times. Love him. Love him selflessly. Pour into him. He's dealing with long-haul issues right now. He had a tough break during COVID. Things were tough for him. Reality struck in. Mortality struck in for him. You think it was hard because you were maybe going to plan a funeral. You don't think he knew that? He knew that. His own mortality has now struck him in the face. He's like, man, I'm, I'm not invincible like I thought I was in the old days. I'm not 19 anymore. I actually almost died. I thought about leaving my wife all alone. The woman I go hunt and fish and camp with, and I almost left her from this earth and left her to deal with this and this life by herself. Now he's still dealing with some of these long haul issues. The dude is terrified. Do you see that? Pour into him, serve him without expecting to be served back. That's the crazy thing, y'all. That's the crazy thing about loving in this way. Loving selflessly means not expecting anything in return. You're just giving him grace. You're just like, what can I do for you? And he's grumpy and he's like, you could leave me alone for one, hypothetical. And you say, I will do anything you need because I love you so much. If that means leaving you on your chair for the rest of the night, you just tell me, you tell me and I'm, I'm in, I'll do it. I just want you to get better because I love you. 
How could he, how could he respond to that? Like, what if you said that to him? Instead of fighting and being like, you don't love me. How could you say that to me? No one treats their wife like you do. What is wrong with you? You're just different now. You've changed. You could do that and it leads to a fight. And then one of you is going to fight till you're right. Are you just be passive about it? Do you, do you understand? Y'all have to understand something. When you're passive in an argument with your spouse like this, like what I'm describing, that is not weakness. That is not submissiveness. That takes incredible strength to do that. It takes incredible self-control. It is so admirable. And what feels like weakness and feels like being submissive because you're loving selflessly is actually more strength than anything else going on in that relationship. It's an amazing thing to love selflessly without needing anything to come back, without needing to be affirmed. It's so hard because you want to be affirmed. You want something, you want someone to serve you back. You want something to tell someone to tell you that you're beautiful and that they love you forever. And when you don't get it, to fight through that and continue serving takes incredible strength. That's how you fight. That's the war of your marriage. You fight it with love. And you do that enough times, watch how things will change. Watch how he changes. He's like, I can't, I can't be mad at you anymore. You won't let me be mad at you because you're just too sweet. I've been grumpy. I've been sick. I've been tired. My body hurts. I've been, I've been, I've been a wretch to you. And all you do back is just serve me and love me. How did I deserve you? I'm the luckiest man on the planet. You're not going to see those results right off the bat. But you continue, you stay the course, you love selflessly because guess what? You've been married for 10 years. You've been together for 14. It's worth the fight, the fight with love. Can you do it? That's the question. Can you do it? Most people will say, no, I can't. I deserve better. I deserve to be treated like a queen. I deserve to be right all the time. If someone's sick, I don't care. Be nice. You got to be nice. Be kind. That's like today's culture says, kindness is the number one virtue. Kindness. It's not love anymore. You notice that? It's like not love. It's kindness. Be kind. Be kind to everyone. All the time, be kind. Kindness. Kindness is not the definition of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is selfless. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Love doesn't need to be served back. Love just serves. Do that. Do it. You do it, you'll see fruits of this marriage. You don't, you're going to have struggles. You're going to fight. The choice is yours. Look, I'm not always right on this podcast. I'm just giving you biblical advice, and that always is right. Love you guys. See you next Monday. Yee-yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee.
You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beauty Translated Season 3 is coming soon with what? A second host? I'm Carmen Laurent, and this season I am joined full-time by world-renowned Janie Danger. Janie, what are we talking about in season three? We're talking about life, Carmen. Beauty Translated is about the many fragmented lives spreading across this rich tapestry of the trans experience. And the all-new Beauty Translated love line at... 678-561-2785. Listen to Beauty Translated Season 3 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like jazz bassist Christian McBride. Jazz is based on improvisation, but there's very much a form to it. You have a conversation based on that melody and those chord changes. So it's kind of like giving someone a topic and say, okay, talk about this. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.